0: In today's episode, we are focusing on baby language. We're going to talk about your baby's common action. What do they actually mean? Common causes of your baby's discomfort? Dunstan baby language, purple crying and witching hour. What's with all these terms? And when should you
1: see a pediatrician? I'm your host today, Shilin. Hi, and I'm your co-host, Lin. Welcome to TAW Real Chats. With us today are Dr Vidya, a pediatrician and a neonatologist with more than 19 years of experience in the field. And we have Sabrina Hassin. She's a private college lecturer and a full-time mum with no external help to two boys. And I'm Lin. I'm a mummy to a 10-month-old boy called Jiren. And we are so happy to be here today. Pijan
0: just launched its loyalty membership club called Pijan Sayangku Club. Sign up today to enjoy discounts and benefits while shopping on Pigeon eShop. Membership to Pigeon Sayangku Club is free! So download it today on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. There's so much said about mummy talking to babies when you are pregnant. Does baby language actually start when you are having the baby? inside. Could you tell us more about that, Dr. Wiyak? Yeah, so it's very, very true. So
2: when babies are in, when mummies are talking to babies, when daddies are talking, I even have older children talking to little babies. When they come out, you can see the difference. When those mom and dad or even the older child talks to the younger one, the newborn baby, they do recognize that voice. They sort of immediately quiet down and then look at you. I've seen it so many times. So it's so true that they hear you when they are in there and respond to you as soon as they hear you for the first time. So, I got
0: goosebumps. Yeah, it's true. Oh my God. It's so
3: true. <laughs> so Sabrina, did you talk to your baby? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, I think the bonding process starts even when you're in your womb. When I had my second one, I encouraged uh, even the first one to start talking to the baby. So that when he comes out, he knows that, okay, this is my elder brother. So whenever I hear him, uh, I should be happy or, or I'm calm, you know. The bonding actually starts very early on. It's something that we need to nurture from the very beginning.
0: So Dr. Vidya, could you tell us like what are the most common baby actions? So there are a lot of primitive reflexes that the
2: babies uh, do. This is natural. It is involuntary. That means it's something that is beyond the control of the baby. The rooting and the sucking reflex is the basic because that's... Food, right? Baby needs to feed. To begin with, they will sort of move their heads to one side, searching as if for, uh, you know, something to latch on to feed. So that is an early sign. If the parents sort of don't pick up that sign, then babies go on to start crying a lot. Small things like this can freak out a new set of parents. A few other things that a lot of mummies and daddies will be noticing is that if they put their finger on the baby's palm, they immediately grasp. So all these are very early signs. Uh, the first month of life, babies' fingers will tightly grasp around their fingers or anything that's given to them. Or you might find that they are sort of kicking their legs a little. And if you sort of let them go on and you're not attending to them or picking up the cues that the baby's giving us, they might start crying. <laughs> and then, then you're <laughs> lost for words and you're not too sure what it is that the baby wants. Besides that, I think if you hold up a baby, they will sort of lift their legs up when they come in contact with the couch. We have something called a Moro's reflex which you sort of drop a baby a little, they will sort of put their hands out and bring it back together, which tells you um, the the neurological maturity of the baby. So these are things that you might see your pediatrician uh, assessing in the clinic, but these are all primitive reflexes which gradually um, disappear as the child gets older.
1: Personally, I found like the it really, really important to understand my baby cues. Um, You know, it's such a beneficial thing as a parent um, because, you know, you're bringing up a baby and their only tool of communication is, is, is these actions and crying and stuff. So if you really understand it, you'll be able to tend to their needs a lot more responsibly. Personally, a lifesaver for me was uh, recognizing my son's tired cues. Rubbing eyes and unfocused attention and sort of yawning and stuff like that. That's And right. once you know when they're tired, you know when to put them to sleep. And that is a great thing because every mum knows that putting an overtired child to sleep is a nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, do you have any other tips for, for new mums, Dr. Vidya? Yeah, so
2: I think what is really important, which I see in my practice parents missing a bit, is the cue when the baby is getting hungry. So a lot of parents uh, will tell me that the child suddenly just balls the head off. It's a riot at home and they are rushing to either get the milk ready for the baby and baby's bawling his head off. So I think we can avert that whole scenario if we pick up the early cues. So babies actually give you the clue quite early on that they are beginning to want to feed. I think parents need to be a little bit more uh, clued on. They would need to note when they start stirring so it's not really that babies will need only feeds every three hours so the next feed is exactly three hours later so that's a bit wrong so babies will start giving you clues that uh, I'm getting a little hungry and I probably want to feed in a while so they start with stirring like I was saying earlier they might start sort of moving their heads towards you know one particular side and trying to open the mouth yeah so that's a very early sign they have not begun to cry they're not you know very irritated or very angry and hungry so they're just beginning to tell you I'm now ready you know (laughs) time to get mummy to get ready to feed me So if you miss this early sign where they are trying to open the mouth, bringing their tongue out, you know, you'll find them sort of suckling a little. They actually do this very early on. And unfortunately, I find a lot of parents sort of miss that clue. And then they go on to move a bit more, a little bit more stirring around, a little bit of movement. And if we miss this, then it becomes a full-blown cry and uh, you know it's all chaotic at the end I can see <laughs> my
0: sister-in-law and my brother they tend to do that sometimes when the baby is already like crying oh. for help like oh! and then exactly. they were, like faster faster have to warm the milk <laughs> yeah they, they, they're always like panicking about that yeah they don't even feed properly because they're so upset yeah i busy crying <laughs> we actually got a video submitted by Baobeng she's a member of our TAW community group hello Dr.
3: Hello. and the Asian woman So this is my baby, Max. He's three months old. Um, I want to ask why sometimes,
0: actually a lot of times, uh, even though he's not hungry or not wanting anything, he loves to eat his face. his (laughs) his hands yeah so dr yeah, do you have anything to add about sucking his finger all the time yeah,
2: yeah so that actually is a very good question and it's something that happens a lot sucking like i was saying it's a primitive reflex but it goes on actually beyond because it's a way of babies um, telling you that they either want to feed but if in this case baby's already fed and mom's quite sure baby's had enough so the suckling can also mean soothing Okay, which is a good thing. He can calm himself down. So it's not always that they want a feed that they're putting things in the mouth. It could be a way that they keep sort of calming themselves. Yeah, so it's just like how we put in a pacifier. So we're not really opposed to actually putting using a pacifier to pacify a baby. Some parents are averse to the idea, which is fine. Babies can always use their own little hand to sort of suckle on and just calm down and it's a good thing to do. So you don't need to be really worried. The baby is calm, Baby's just happily suckling on his fingers. Um, he's comfortable. He's very at peace with everything around him. I don't think we need to worry too much. You know, but if he's agitated and he's sucking furiously on his hand, and you know, getting agitated, the fact might be that he's quite hungry. All right, but in this case, if uh, little Max is quite happily sitting and just sucking,
0: it's good. It's just calming himself down. He's you know he is in a good place. Sabrina, do
3: you have any like you know what was your experience like with your two boys? For my first one, he didn't uh, suck on his finger. Uh, he doesn't have that habit, but I experienced it with my second one. So I was told that when baby uh, suck on their finger is a way uh, of them soothing themselves, you know, keeping them calm when they're nervous or scared. So uh, I actually enjoyed my second baby sucking on his finger because I believe the soothing part. And then uh, after a few months, I realized that when he sucks on his finger it's also because he's hungry. Because when I, uh, you know, visit the pediatrician, his weight was not uh, really, he's not gaining any weight. So then I understand that sucking finger is also a sign that he's hungry. So after that, whenever he sucks on his finger, I will, you know, immediately try to feed him uh, regardless whether he asks for it or not, just so that the weight is, you know, gained gradually according to the graph. And because I am breastfeeding, so it's it's very easy. <laughs> That's good.
1: <laughs> Personally, just recalling my first few months of motherhood, right? I, I think the first few months for any new mum would be really difficult because you're completely in the dark, right? And then there's this little fragile thing. And no one gave you a tutorial about how to take care of him. And the thing that was toughest for me was the crying. I, I'm sure all mums would know that when you're holding your baby and he's just crying and crying your whole world collapses (laughs) and at that point in time you've you're you're so emotional there's a lot of hormones running through your body and stuff like that what Jiren went through for the first three months was that at 7 p.m every evening he used to have this crying spell Um. right and I was boggled because, you know, I was reading up and he wasn't hungry, he wasn't tired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at at that point, you're you're quite an anxious mom and you're wondering what's happening. So it was then that I, you know, opened my good friend Google (laughs) at that point and and just, you know, searched up why is my baby crying at this time? And I started reading up a little bit about uh, something called Witching Hour that usually happens to newborns um, from a specific time every day and it's basically when your baby is crying for no reason at all and you know it just it's just incessant crying and I think reading up a little bit about that kind of helped me understand and cope with it a little bit better and I think today, since we have an expert on board, I would love to hear, Dr. Vidya, what your, your thoughts are or your experience is with witching hour or with this evening time crying.
2: So you're yeah, absolutely right, Lynn, there. I think commonly, uh, maybe in the medical world we would call it colic but I suppose among parents uh, they would use words like witching hour or purple cry. It's a very very common uh, phenomenon and it's perfectly normal. It's not uh, you know something that we need to be worried about or is it something pathological where you know you need to see a doctor because it's something serious. This typically happens a little bit later Not immediately when the baby is born. It is seen usually within the first two to three weeks of life. The baby is almost a month old. Only then you would start seeing typically this crying bouts, usually in the evenings, usually after sunset. And it goes on for a couple of hours, actually can go on to quite late at night. I think in our Asian community, a lot of cultures might say, you know, because it's at night and there's some spirits and things like that. But actually, uh, it's not. It, it is nothing to do with, you know, the other side. It's just that the babies have colic. And uh, it's not that, that they've got something very seriously wrong. Of course, typically when babies are just crying incessantly and, you know, you're really at the wit's end trying to soothe this baby who's so troubled. You could try feeding if they want to feed. So, like I said, sucking itself is very, very soothing. So you could actually do extra feats to help keep the baby calm. Or you could actually take baby out for a drive. I think very commonly, I know a lot of mm-hmm. parents will just get into the car and dear daddy <laughs> would be driving around the neighborhood. So which is very helpful because of that movement, you know, that constant movement sort of calms the baby down. And also the engine, this is called white sound, white noise. Constant background uh, noise, like the noise of the engine or any other white noise that you might be able to use would help to calm the baby down as well. There's a way of actually holding baby that we recommend, uh, putting baby's back against your chest and flexing baby's hip and knees. So you sort of hold baby up and sort of hold your hand on front of baby's chest, lean him against your chest and sort of flex his hip and knees. And sort of lull him up and down. So you need to go up and down. So you bend your knees up and down. That vertical movement really sort of helps soothe and calm baby down as well. I wish (laughs) I knew this when I was um, (laughs) a Yeah, so that really helps as well. But uh, of course, I can understand it's very, very disturbing when you have a child who's wailing. So Mm -hmm. it'll be good if you could have extra support from your partner. So if dad also could come in and take over baby for a while. Um, but the good thing is, this they outgrow this period, right? It sort of peaks when baby is about two months to three months, and then subsequently, by the time they're about four months, five months old, they outgrow this period. So there is sort of a, a light at the end of the tunnel, kind of. A That's thing.
0: very reassuring to hear. <laughs> yeah, that but was this is what very kept common. me going as well. Yeah, <laughs> so.
2: But of course, uh, I must have a disclaimer. If baby is not well, mm-hmm. that means not happening only during this period of time throughout the night, throughout the day, baby is crying, it could be something else. So let's not, you know, label a baby crying as just a witching hour or a purple cry. We must make sure we're not missing something else, which is a little bit more worrying. So if this is going on, it's always a good idea to just check base with your pediatrician just to make sure that that isn't another reason for baby uh, crying so much.
1: Definitely. (laughs) Sabrina, you're a full-time mom. How did you cope with your baby's crying
3: Or the first few days was really hard. Every time my baby cried, uh, when I tried to soothe and it was unsuccessful, I will cry too. That is my honest opinion experience that I went through. Yeah, and I think it's
0: normal that you cry with your baby Because you are really like, you know, clueless And you don't know what to do The baby is well fed, everything But it's just
3: crying Initially, uh, last year It was a bit uh, chaotic at home But uh, thank God, that's my second one So I kind of know how to handle when they cry Actually, just to share with you, Lin Maybe you want to try it out This was actually taught by my confinement lady Usually when they burst out crying, right? If they're not hungry or even If they don't need any soothing, put their head, uh, especially their ears against your chest so that they can hear your heartbeat and you need to be calm. You cannot cannot panic, you know. When they can hear your heartbeat and you're calm, they will be calm. Okay, if that doesn't work, this is something that my confinement lady uh, taught me. You can start massaging them, you know, Uh, take off their rompers or whatever that they're wearing. Uh, Try to keep them calm. And then you can start massaging their back and uh, their tummy so that if they do have colic and then it, it will help to soothe uh, that, that feeling. So maybe it's also something you want to try. It actually helps with my two babies. Definitely. listening to mother's heart breathe, uh, you know, against mommy's
2: chest. is very reassuring because that's what they were used to when they were in the womb. So that's a great idea as
3: well. When I was a first time mom, the nurses kept telling me that, you know, you have to be calm so that your baby don't cry. Like, and then I told my husband, how do I control my heartbeat? I cannot control my heartbeat. But It's but easier during, said than done, right? Yes, <laughs> but during the second time, I'm kind of used to all the yelling and screaming. So I just keep calm throughout, no matter what happens. Yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> Yeah, I just want to recap a little bit on what Dr. Bidya shared earlier about white noise those videos are available on YouTube and they have more than 10 million viewerships so and imagine how many, as well. yeah. how many parents are searching for this like white noise sorry can I add on you just have to be careful that
2: your decibels are not too strong so you have to keep it below 50 decibels so the white noise mm. yeah don't play it too loudly And there mustn't be too much of intonation. So must be careful when you're picking up the white noise. It shouldn't be going up and down. You know, they can have these forest noises and by the beach, but no bird noises. You know what I mean? You mustn't have birds also being uh, in the sound.
0: So mummy listening in, do you struggle with baby crying? If you have a way like uh, what Sabrina shared earlier, tell us your tips. It will be very helpful to help the community out there.
1: Well, for me, actually, the thing about bringing up a baby was the crying, obviously, that that really got to us, right? I remember when when Jiren was just born, I was wondering, you know, what is he telling me every time he cries? I, I don't know about you guys, but every cry would be different sometimes. So when he's hungry, it'll be a different type of cry. When he's, you know, when he's tired, I would be as usual going on the internet and googling baby crying like they're coughing or baby crying ow 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 with that you know <laughs> that kind of sound kind of thing it's then that I actually found out that about something called the Dunstan baby language I mean I was quite amazed because you know I thought it was just random sounds that they make but um Every type of cry actually can tell you something about your baby, and you know I found that completely mind-boggling. Shaline, would you like to elaborate about the dancing yep. baby language? So for that, you know, I I find it like, whoa, is
0: this? For real, it's actually a method by Priscilla Dunstan. She realized this and then uh, she wanted to share with a lot of women and many women actually find it very useful for them to identify what the baby is saying. So I'm just going to make the sound. And you know, Dr. Widya, if I did it wrong, just correct me as I go, okay? <laughs> so uh, we're going to break it down. Each sound has its own meaning and it's five sounds. And the first one is actually, Neh. Neh, is when they are hungry. So they stick their tongue up and they want to eat something. And the next one will be eh. Eh is when they have a colic in the upper wing. And what you can do is that to lift the baby up, to put down your shoulder and give them a gentle shoulder pad. Wow, I can become a mother already. Okay, the third <laughs> one is actually eh. Eh is when they have lower gas. So this is where we go to the Sabrina's method to actually, you know, uh, remove them from their clothes and then to give them a massage to have a good time together. And the next one will be ow ow is when they're tired so baby tends to really like you know uh, just have fun and play with you you have to tell from the cues that hey actually they're tired you have to help them rest and to put them to sleep and the last one will be is when they're in discomfort maybe the environment is too cold or too hot and check the diapers did I say it correctly Dr. Iyak? (laughs) Yeah,
2: so I actually looked up Dunstan as well, baby language. It's interesting. She's from Australia, I think. She's an opera singer. Yes, yes. And she sort of noticed that babies have got this special way across all cultures that they can sort of convey early in in the stage before they sort of start crying. If we can pick up these early clues, uh, you can sort of decipher what's the problem. So it's interesting. But I think a lot of anecdotal kind of stories from mothers who've actually applied this in their own homes and they are very happy that they can pick up those clues. So I think it's not really very well researched. In medical line, we always have to do a huge study and prove that it's really correct. But it's very interesting. And if it helps young mummies and daddies pick up clues about what the baby needs, I think it's a great idea.
1: I think every baby is different as well, right, Dr. Vidya? Um, I know that some of it didn't really apply to Jiren. I even went online and and downloaded an app that actually listens to the baby and deciphers it to see if it was true and and, you know it's 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 a 50 50 sometimes I think you need to use your instinct as well I think
2: it's not just the sound that baby's making it's also Mm. the movement that goes with it you know so if they're searching they would be moving like I said the head would be moving to one Mm. particular end they would be making that sucking noise and then maybe the next sound as well they want to feed and then even discuss in discomfort, you, you will see babies sort of moving their heads and frowning. So mm. then we will tell you that, you know, there's something wrong. That's, you know, they've got some tummy ease. The few things that turn babies a little bit upset would be that they've got a bit of wind or gassiness or what we call belly bubbles or, you know, they're soiled themselves. They need a change or they just want to cuddle. Sometimes they just want to be picked up and cuddled. Or, of course, if they're really hungry and they want some more. So a few things that you need to check. So I think with experience, you will also guess, get to guess what it is that your little one wants.
0: Speaking on discomfort, so let's talk about some typical baby health problems. So Sabrina, did your sons have any like physical discomfort issues, like skin issues?
3: Yes, yes, uh, because I have uh, eczema. So I, I find that my eldest one has eczema as well. So uh, it's not really something new uh, for me because I, I, I have that all my life. I know how to manage it. But when it happens to your little one, you know, you, you, the, the feeling is different. We saw quite a few pediatricians. It wasn't really serious, but eczema can be very discomforting. So after... A few years, I think, we finally found something that really works. Like when you apply it for a few days, you can already see that the skin is uh, moistened and it's less dry. Uh, eczema is something that a lot of babies these days, especially, experience. My advice is not to panic. <laughs> definitely not to panic it's always best to get your pediatrician to advise you know rather than getting advice from your neighbors or your friends you know because it could lead to something serious when it comes to medical issues
1: totally agree we had to go to the pediatrician for uh, jiren's eczema and we were actually asked to go to a dermatologist because it was quite bad and so he had teething rash and quite quite um, bad eczema as well. Like you said, I think the thing that worked was to moisturize, right? To just be diligent about moisturizing. And I have a tip to share for mums because, you know, if you're breastfeeding sometimes and you're using a bottle, there's there's leftover breast milk and to just dump it in their bath. And that actually helps to moisturize your skin as well. And that's a great kind of uh, home remedy. Dr. Vidya, I would love to hear your thoughts about this. Yeah, so That's eczema is
2: actually yeah, very, very common. Generally, globally, as we go into westernization of our society, we are seeing more and more allergies in our society. One of the common ones in a newborn baby or in the first few months of life would be atopic dermatitis or eczema right? It's a huge problem. Nearly, you know, a large population of babies have this. So like Sabrina mentioned, number one is moisturizing, right? We need to constantly moisturize baby. So it's actually a three-step treatment plan. (laughs) All right. The first is um, the bathing solutions, the bath gels. Uh, We wouldn't recommend using any baby bath gels because even though it's meant for newborn babies, they still dry the skin up. So uh, we would really recommend specialized uh, bathing formulation for baby's skin so that it doesn't dehydrate the skin too much. And following which we really recommend moisturizing. As soon as baby's done with the bath, we need to pat baby's skin with the towel, not sort of rub the skin, but to pat dry the skin, and then immediately moisturize because um, when you apply the moisturizer, it will capture the moisture from the bath onto the skin, right? So it's always moisturize, moisturize, moisturize as often as you can. So just get something that really works, but need to apply frequently and a lot. You would have uh, periods where you actually have flare-ups. So when there is a flare-up, when the skin is looking really angry and red and sometimes um, very wet, uh, you would need to put medication on it. So that would be the third step. So when there are flare-ups, you will see the area being very red and wet. You probably would need to see your pediatrician or dermatologist. Most pediatricians are very familiar with uh, eczema and quite comfortable treating this condition. Unless it's really very bad, like Lin, your little boy who had to go to see a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it would be either a steroid-based cream or a non-steroidal cream, depending on the condition. And um, you'll need to use it until the skin is back to normal. And then you might be able to take that off. But the moisturizing and the the bathing gel would be constant, right? So eczema, unfortunately, with wean, you know, will go away and then it'll flare up and then it'll go away. And hopefully with time, they outgrow that.
0: You talk about frequently. Can you define like how many hours or how frequent? So it It depends actually on your environment. So if environment is a little bit um,
2: dry and the baby's skin is getting dry often. So sometimes every few hours once, uh, like some dermatologists would even recommend every three, four hours, just dab, 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 depending on how dry the skin gets. Yeah, so the good idea would be just to feel baby skin. When it's well moisturized, it'll be very supple. Even if you run a small sort of a nail, or run your finger around the baby skin, it will not leave that white mark. But supposing it's dry, then you'll see a little bit of a mark on the baby skin. So then you know it's dried up already. Yeah, good tip. Yeah, so you feel the skin, it'll be very supple, nice and moist. Then you know you're okay. But when it dries up, just apply again.
0: With more than 90% natural ingredients Primarily olive oil, argan oil and chamomile Pigeon's new natural botanical baby skincare range Nourishes, restores and renews baby's delicate and sensitive skin without irritation As part of Pigeon's sustainability efforts Bottles are made from 20% recycled material From Earth with Love Pigeon's Natural Botanical Baby Skin Care Cares for your babies and the environment Shop now at Pigeon eShop We have got a promo code below just for you So it seems to me that it's tough, you know Just to guess from their body language And you have to constantly touching their skin To make sure that, you know, they are well (laughs) moisturized And I can see when just now uh, Lin mentioned about milk bath, breast milk Yeah, and I can see like Dr. Vinya nodding and, And also like, you know, Sabrina nodding So, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Have you guys tried this? No,
2: so, so no, no. Uh, okay, so no, no, please don't. I mean, if you've got so much of extra breast milk, it's okay to bathe your baby, I suppose. But I'd rather baby drink the breast milk.
0: <laughs> only, only the, only that the ones I was reminded that of Cleopatra. I heard Petra yeah. had a milk box. <laughs> That's why she was so beautiful. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Rumors has it. What about you, Sabrina? Oh, because I am an overproducer. So I have a lot of stock wow Uh, yeah i really don't mind bathing my baby with the with the milk because otherwise it's just going to go into the drain you know myself just bathe my baby with it it actually works wonders so it's actually a natural way to get things done Uh, so back to dr
0: yeah you mentioned earlier uh from what Lynn chat about baby you know having redness and all that that's when you need to seek help any other alarm signs that we should look out for
2: Yeah, so very commonly, especially for first time moms and dads, uh, they're quite alarmed by the number of skin uh, rashes that babies develop. Um, You know, we actually. Sort of pictureize a nice rosy, clear skin baby, and then suddenly you have eruptions on the face. So some parents really get freaked out. Uh, a lot of it is actually quite normal and quite common. A newborn baby will actually start having sometimes even pimples on baby's face. Yeah, it's called neonatal acne, and it's perfectly uh, normal. And you don't really need to do anything. But of course, it looks a bit scary when there's a red watch on your face and then a little bit of a like a white dot on it, like a pimple, right? This is basically because of the hormonal changes that baby might have had from mummy's uh, hormones that's still in baby's uh, body. So that's very common. It's seen very early in life and it usually just goes away. So we don't need to really apply anything. Sometimes they will have little dots on their nose. Uh, that's called milia. Again, that is very, very common and there's really nothing that you need to do about it but of course if you're not too sure what it is and you're a little bit worried it's always a good idea to just touch base with your local pediatrician who will be happy to sort of allay your fears if if it's something that it's nothing to worry about of course there are lots of other rashes Um, you might have something else called erythema toxicum which happens very early like day three day four of life and that goes away as well so you know these are little scary red spots that appear on babies. And a lot of parents sometimes get very worked up. But uh, most of the time it's all good. Uh, sometimes you can have even milk rash around the mouth. Uh, again, the mummy's milk, when it comes in contact with baby skin, uh, when they suckle, you know, milk sort of gets smeared around the mouth area. That also causes some kind of dermatitis. Uh, again, we don't worry too much about it, and um, things will sort of get better as baby skin gets more matured.
0: I think what Dr. Vidya shared is very reassuring. Again, for new mothers, you know, they might be watching this and like, oh, actually, you are doing good. I am doing good. I hope we do that. <laughs> but they should look out for the signs, you know, like Dr. Vidya mentioned, you know when you should seek uh, your local pediatrician help. In the course of all this like baby's discomfort that we talk about, we have something relaxing for your baby. People who are watching, do comment below and share with us where's your go-to website to seek for baby-related information. And don't forget that we have a special promo code
1: for you to pamper your baby. Well, now we'll we'll like to take a few questions now, actually, from a TAW follower, Um, Denise Tan. Denise is from Singapore and she has a question which I can completely relate to. Denise asks, when standing up to rock the baby to sleep and baby does fall asleep, how the heck does baby sense when I sit down and wakes himself up?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. It is like very distressing when you've done all that rocking and, you know, finally got baby to sleep and then you just change position a little and then there they go. <laughs> Wake yeah, up it's like they again. have a radar
1: or something, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. The, so it actually depends on how old baby is. So I was talking a little bit earlier about Moro's reflex. So that sort of goes on for about until baby's two, three months old. So if you have not, um, if you've sort of not bundled baby's arms in and you're sort of rocking baby and you're sort of placing baby down or sitting down, that primitive reflex, even though baby's asleep, will come in and baby will sort of startle and wake up. So um, I think a trick would be to actually get baby's arms bundled up not too tightly, but in a cozy fashion where baby's arms are next to baby's body. So once you've successfully um, rocked baby to sleep, you could gently, while still uh, swaddled, place baby down to sleep. Or when baby has just fallen asleep, so when they're still in that light sleep, they will wake up quite easily when there's a change in position. So you might need to sort of still rock for a while longer, until baby really goes into a deeper sleep and then sort of place baby down. But it would be good if the baby is still very young, like about only three, less than three to four months, to actually swaddle baby's arms in so that when you actually place baby down, baby doesn't automatically have this reflex where they do uh, morals. You know, they sort of startle and that makes, that makes them wake up. I yes. think swaddling yeah. was a lifesaver
1: for okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But how do we differentiate? If they are in light sleep or deep sleep? So light sleep sometimes feels as though they're not really asleep.
2: They would be easily woken up. But the deep sleep is when no matter what you're doing, they're not waking up.
0: So it depends.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. I, I, I think I, I'm a, a bit confused here. But I can see other mothers like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it takes a mother to, to differentiate yeah. that. Yes, everything yeah. is different. So Sabrina, well. yeah. with Ooh. the whole work from home, Scene, like how do you juggle with that? Like you are sitting in front of your laptop, you're having class, and your baby is crying. Do you carry your baby? And what do you do?
3: Oh, lucky for me, I have a very supportive husband. I mean, we learned this uh to cooperate and you know take over duties uh with our first one. So when our our second one came along and then we had to go into working from home, it wasn't uh really hard for us because Each of us already understood our duty. All parents uh, need to understand that uh, parenting is a two-person job. You know, you have a father and you also have the mother and you need both, you know, to accommodate that one little bundle that you have. So when I am lecturing, uh, I do experience sometimes when my baby starts to knock on the door, you know, screaming, mama, mama, mama. So um, sometimes I just have to ignore, you know, I, I know that my husband is there to care for my children uh, because my students are also my children. So they deserve an undivided attention. So it has been hard, but uh, now I think the kids already got the rhythm and they understand uh, when I need my time and when the, the father needs his time. Yeah. Yeah. Would you
0: say that? it's important to form a routine with your partner and also with your children so that they know this is the time that mommy will be busy at work. And if I need something, if I want something, I will have to
3: go to daddy. That would be ideal. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, children, they don't really get routine. You know, no matter how how much you teach them about time, they, they don't, don't just get it. They don't get it. So uh, for me, we just go with the flow. For example, when I have... Uh, classes my lectures then my husband will take over and they know that whoever that's in the hall with them whether this is the father or the mother that's the person that they have to go to if they need to you know pee pee or poo poo or they need to eat or whatever it is that they need I won't say it's a routine but it's just um, something that they are used to
0: mm. what about you Lin
1: how do you think like the father's role in a household Mm, Well, I think fathers can help a great deal because, you know, usually all the burden is on the mum, right? (laughs) Straight away. They can educate themselves before the baby is here. You know, they can take the initiative to do things that I think society kind of pictures the mum doing everything. The mum has to sleep the baby, feed the baby, soothe the baby, you know, everything, the mum, the mum, the mum. And still breastfeeding. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, there are ways to actually delegate as well. Um, you know, eventually, if you like to bottle feed, then the, the daddy can help out as well. Um, soothing is one way that, you know, dads can can actually help rock the baby to sleep and all that. It's good for the mum, I think, if you rotate because it doesn't put so much pressure on, on her as well. One thing that I would like to stress on is emotional support. Uh, so, you know, I think dads can really, really just be there to support the mummy because it's going to be probably the most challenging time of her life. Uh, so yeah, we can do a lot. <laughs>
0: There's not enough mention of emotional support. like we, When we talk about mother's love, unconditional love, and then you know, the bonding and all that, I think the what you see on social media normally talk about the good things. You rarely see a mother talk about, you know, I'm half dead now, you know, my, my babies are crying, I'm tired, I didn't get enough sleep for four days. You know, so with that, I just think... Sometimes we we tend to keep all these things to ourselves and not even saying it to our partner because partner is also working and all that. But I think the emotional support, when you have it, it it keeps you going. I am imagining, you know, like when you are really tired and someone is there, hey, we got this, we are in this together. Yeah, that will really help. Dr. Vidya, do you have anything to add? So I've been a pediatrician for more than 20 years and um, it's
2: been a, a, a change that I've noticed of recent years, which is very, very positive. A long time ago, dads had a certain role to play and mums were generally the basic caregiver for the baby until baby was a certain age. But of recent years, I think past 10, 15 years, there has been a change and I've seen more and more daddies get involved and it's become a norm right now. Yeah, it's really kudos to the modern dads because they are so hands-on. They're totally hands-on with their newborn babies as young as a couple of days, you know, they've got no qualms picking up a crying child, uh, a newborn baby. Generally, I think those days, you know, dads will shy away from a newborn baby until they are like a month or two before they dare even pick them up. But now I have daddies as you know, picking up a baby who is just two, three days old, able to handle bottle feeds or burp the babies, put them to sleep. Really, it's an amazing um, change in how parenting is now
0: seen. Yes, and we are all about supportive husband. So with that, we actually have another question from our TW community from Norina. This is directed to Dr. Vidya. Why sometimes my baby shakes her hands up and down with fast breathing? Is she excited about something or, you know, is that something that I should be worried about? So
2: that's an interesting question. So just the fact that baby is sort of moving baby's Hands and fast breathing and shaking. So I, I, I'll need to know in what context that's happening. Um, So is baby unwell? You know, baby is uh, looking ill or crying and shaking her hands and breathing fast. It's a little bit difficult to actually pinpoint and say what's actually going on with little one. So if baby is otherwise looking very well and happy and laughing and moving hands and breathing fast, it's fine. Uh, But baby's crying, ill, feverish moving hands and breathing fast it's not so good (laughs) and you might need to see a doctor
0: (laughs) yeah i'm curious actually at what month baby actually feel uh, happy like they can react to what you're doing what you're like doing moving around then they'll be like ah they're smiling because sometimes i think it may be just an
2: expression a uh, baby will start responding by the time they're about a month class. The first few weeks, uh, really, you know, babies won't respond so much. But when they move on to the second month, they will be more excited by little things around them. Yeah, so then they will respond back and coo and laugh. And, you know, it's a bit of a, more interactions with mom and baby.
1: Dr. Vidya, it's been so good to have you today. <laughs> I think personally, it's been a, a really, really educational session. For mums like myself, we spend a lot of time research this information out there and trying to find something that's actually legitimate, you know, that's based on research. Uh, on if we don't have access to our pediatrician at the moment, is there anything that you could recommend or any website or, or any source that would be beneficial?
2: Yes, I know. I know it's so challenging when you sort of Go into Google and try to sort of, you know, list down what you like to know. And you're just bombarded with so much, and you don't know which is real and which is something that you can rely on. So it's important which websites we go to. Uh, I'm really happy to say that actually in Malaysia, we have uh, the Malaysian Paediatric Association has taken the initiative about 20 years ago to come up with this uh, positive parenting. So that addresses a lot of parenting issues, a lot of pediatricians involved in this magazine. And a lot of nutritionists and other disciplines are also contributing articles. So I find that's really very helpful for the local context. There are a lot of other websites that you can look at, something like Healthline. So whenever you're Googling, it's always very uh, important that you go to a website that is being sort of um, researched or, you know, attested by either pediatricians or registered nurses without really going to blogs or you know uh, other websites that are not so well-researched.
0: Sabrina, do you have any links that you go to that was not mentioned by Dr.
3: Vija? I too do that uh, whenever I Google for answers. I always go for those websites that is uh, well-researched rather than going to forums and other mummies giving their opinion because uh, it has to do with uh, medical condition. Uh, you might want to get... Uh, proper information okay, rather than you being misinformed. So usually I go to uh, websites like uh, Mayo Clinic and Healthline like uh, Dr. Vidya just mentioned. Better to go for legit uh, websites so that you get proper answers. People who are watching, do comment below and share with us where do
0: you go to for your baby-related information. You know, good things are meant to be shared. (laughs) So don't forget the promo code we have for you and you'll also be in the description box. Okay, so now. For that $1 million question, what is that one thing that you wish someone told you before you become a mother? I think
1: it's to prompt me about the crying. (laughs) That's one thing that, you know, crying is just a method of communication um, from the baby to your mom, And it doesn't always mean that you're doing something wrong. It's completely natural, you know, because it's your only method of speech at the moment. And to just basically listen and, and learn um, from your baby. Because I think like any other relationship, you know, when the baby is born, it's a new relationship and you just need to get to know... The little one and to be in tune to with what he's trying to tell you what about you sabrina
3: i wish uh, people were to tell me earlier on that uh, you need to treat a baby like a person you know they have their needs um they have their wants of course they communicate differently but like us if we don't meet our needs we get very frustrated so it's the same for babies and i also wish that people around me were to tell me it's okay It's okay if the baby cries or it's okay for this and that to happen. It's just that it's a learning process that every one of us have to go through. So that's the two things that I wished people were to tell me before. Wow, you have two. One (laughs) for bonus.
0: (laughs) What about you, Dr. Vidya? The expert and also mother of two boys? (laughs) So like I said, I
2: come from a different generation. So I wish at that time, dads could have been more involved. (laughs) 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 So, you know, that would have been something that um, maybe someone could have told my dear husband, <laughs> you need to be more hands-on <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yeah. So not too late, someone, not too late. Yeah, no, 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 he's very hands-on now. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, I think it's just that parents sometimes don't realize that your life takes a 180 degree turn. Uh, so sometimes young mothers come and they, nobody told me that, you know, my life would be upside down <laughs> when the first baby arrived. I've got some few mothers who come and they're you know, really in tears and say, oh no, where's my old life? <laughs> I want my old life. Yeah, so I think it's good that we should all tell mummies that, you know, things will take a definite turn, but things get better. And, you know, once you get used to the whole thing, you will learn
0: to get back into some, some not less chaos what is the most satisfying thing after becoming a mother?
3: I think uh, seeing them uh, growing up is really, really rewarding. You know, even uh, with all the chaos that you have to go through, especially the first few months, when you see your baby happily playing or, or smiling or even starting to uh, walk or crawl, is such a rewarding process. You know, it's uh, it tells you that, okay, you're doing fine. You're doing good. You're a good mom. So everything is the way it's supposed to be.
1: (laughs) I think for me, it's, you know, just learning a lot about life and about the world from their eyes again, Um, because we we miss so much as adults, you know, but. In, you know, when you, when you look at the world in their eyes, everything is wonderment. Even the raindrops on the window is the amazement in their eyes to see nature for the first time, to see things for the first time. So it's taught me a lot about just being a decent
2: human being. I think it's always coming home, um, especially when they're a little bit bigger, like when they were a year old or a year and a half or two year olds. Uh, like I said, I'm gently away a lot. So when I come home after a hard day and maybe all down and you know, tired, uh, just seeing them run to you with a huge smile and eyes sparkling to just see you, uh, it just, it's just more than enough. It's really good. When you come home and they're there with a happy smile and they're so glad to see you, uh, it just makes you, makes your day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see all of you light up. From this question so friends that's all we have for you today i hope you gain some real insight into this inevitable part of life if you like this episode please give us a thumbs up that would mean a lot to us and we will see you in the next real chats episode Bye bye